0: Father, thank you once again this morning for your great love for us. Uh, none of us deserve your mercy. Um, none of us deserve a second chance. None of us deserve the, um, the strength that you give to us. Um, but here we are, uh, complete in you, Jesus. Jesus lost and weak in ourselves, but complete in you. And so we praise you. We thank you. Uh, Thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Uh, Thank you that you're with us here today, that you have some things from your word uh, for us to not only know and believe, but also to follow through and action on. So would your spirit do that in the name of Jesus. And everyone says, amen, amen. Thank you so much for... um, coming out. Those of you joining online, thank you. I think my, my dad, uh, Pete McConkie, is watching in his easy chair in um, Geneva, Illinois. Hi, Dad. Mom's not up yet. Um, she might, might be. <laughs> um, and, and guys, just a reminder, two days from now. Oh, really? Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just a thought. Um, We're in a series of messages through the book of Acts, and I'm in Acts chapter 18 this morning, and I invite you to join. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. Uh, It'll be on the screen if you want on your uh, your phone or uh, you just want to close your eyes and listen, whatever you want to do, but I'm going to read Acts chapter 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade the Jews and Greeks. Verse 5. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, you, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in the city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. While Galeo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jewish... Uh, the Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. This man, they charge, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Galileo said to them, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since... Um, it involves questions about words and names and your own law. Settle that matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he drove them off. Then the crowd there turned to Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the proconsul, and Galileo showed no concern whatever. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Caesarea because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it's God's will. Then he set sail for Ephesus. When he landed in Caesarea, He went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in, wow, there's a lot of names and a lot of cities, right? (laughs) After some time um, in Antioch, Paul sat out there and traveled uh, from place to place. I'm glad they didn't mention all those places, right? Throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all The disciples, I want you to remember that phrase, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted um, to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah." All right, Acts 18, right? A lot of crossing and going here and going there. A lot of people, a lot of roadblocks, a lot of victories, a lot of verbs in these 28 uh, verses. A lot going on in Acts chapter 18. I hope, hopefully we'll kind of uh, narrow it down here to what I believe anyway in my own personal life, in our day, in our time Um, a particular principle from this text that I think is very pertinent and necessary for us to think through and live in, okay? So that's where we're going to go, and that is this idea of being strengthened. Being strengthened. We're going to unpack that word a little bit. We're going to see how else it's used right in this same context. Um, I think that Luke, our author of the book of Acts, is wanting very specifically for us to think about this concept of Uh, being strengthened and how to strengthen one another, okay? And it's needed. Would you agree? Uh, You need some strength. You need some um, uh, endurance and some perseverance, right, in your own life. Uh, Is life unmanageable? Are we powerless over so much of it? Yes. And we're not surprised then that the scripture would speak of such things as uh, like how much strength we need. Okay, and so that's where we're going to go in this message. That's what this message is about. It's about the strength of God in our lives. The book of Acts is really a story of real people with real struggles, right? Uh, And harsh realities, experiencing incredible victory through the power of the risen Savior, which is the title of our series, experiencing the power of this risen Jesus, the tone of the book of Acts is hope and forward movement. Would you agree? This is the acts of these believers. It is not the, let's go and hunker down someplace and build a fortress. It's not about a centralized place where we can kind of protect ourselves, is it? This is a group of people under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that went out with great hope and with great anticipation against all odds. Would you agree? They were not Roman citizens. They were Jewish at best, and many of them uh, very, very poor people that took forward uh, the gospel. Because it's not dependent on a human being, is it? It's dependent on a power greater than ourselves to see this go forward. And we need to learn how to access that and stay in that. And that's what we'll talk about and so this tone of this book is um, this forward looking this hopefulness um, it, it is about random people um, all of a sudden, Priscilla and Aquila show up all of a sudden, Apollo shows up, and all of a sudden they 're in this city, and you know just at the right time they they were in Italy and they were from Pontus, and those are two completely different places from they 're on the opposite ends of where Corinth is in, in the in in the populated world born in Pontus in Italy in Rome but got kicked out of Rome and end up in Corinth right at the time when Paul was there and so you see this this coincidence don't you all of the time in the scriptures and you experience it in your own life oh my goodness I didn't see that coming I crossed paths with this person at just the right time And wonderful things happened. I was strengthened, they were strengthened. The gospel went forward, right? And this happens over and over and over all day long through every generation, in every continent, in every city, in every home, in every heart, all of the time. What is up with that? Maybe Jesus is real. Maybe his power is powerful. Maybe his promises are being achieved maybe, maybe, maybe he is going to build his church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against us. What do you think? Is there any entity still around today that started in AD 33? (laughs) It's just the church. Nations come and nations go. Powers come and powers go. But the kingdom of God withstands it all because of a power. A power that cannot be contained, cannot be controlled by anyone or any, no matter how powerful it is, not even the World Wide Web can contain it. And attacks and attacks and attacks on the Word of God and the kingdom of God and in our own day. Would you agree? But we're hopeful. And we're going to move forward, not because of our strength, not because of who we are, not because of all the things that we've been able to accomplish, but because of the ministry of God's Holy Spirit in the heart of a human being. We move forward and we never give up. I don't know. I I want some of that. I want more of that. I want to just rehearse real quickly with you the names and the situations. I'm even going to list all of the verbs that are connected to the disciples in these 28 verses, okay? It's, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. So first of all, here's the names of the disciples listed in, in Acts 18. Paul, Aquila, Priscilla, Silas, Timothy, Sosthenes, Apollos, and all the disciples, those who by grace believed, and many other people in the city. Here are the actions of the disciples. These are the verbs, going, leaving, staying, working, declining, encouraging, strengthening, instructing in the way of the Lord, speaking with great fervor, teaching about Jesus accurately, being of great help, inviting into their homes, spending time, promising, went up, went down, greeting, traveling, setting sail, landing, reasoning, knowing, hearing, proving, speaking boldly, being beaten, vigorously refuting opponents, explaining, persuading, changing, focus, making a vow, writing, writing, That's just the verbs in one chapter of the movement of the hope in action, of the power being displayed through human beings that are really random and have no power in and of themselves. Yet, oh my goodness, it's changed the world. And we're just in 28 verses. We're just in a few, about a year and a half, maybe a uh, two years period of time reading what was going on in Acts chapter 18. Here's the roadblocks listed in these 28 verses. Not enough money, Claudius, the crowd, Galileo, opposition, abuse, judgment, a united attack, complaints, judgment, beating, did I say judgment, shown no concern by officials, and so on. Roadblocks do not matter to Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. They will persevere every time, no matter what the opponent. And you're part of that kingdom. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a subject of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who rules over all authority. He is yours. He has called himself not only that he possesses you, he has made it so through the gospel message that you possess him. It's crazy. Why, God Almighty, would you let me inhabit? Why would you inhabit me? I can see why you would want me to come and be part, my little part in your kingdom, but why do you care so much about me and living in me? And this is what the book, this chapter, Acts 18, does to this soul. It's like, oh my goodness, something's going on. There's some power greater than that which I can't manage in my own life. There's some power greater than what I'm powerless over, no matter what it is going on in these people in this chapter, no matter what the roadblocks. The cities and regions. Let's listen to the cities and regions because this is significant. Athens, Corinth, Pontus, Italy, Rome, Macedonia, Cai, Syria, Centuria, Ephesus, Caesarea, Jerusalem, Antioch, Galatia, Phrygia, and Alexandria. Why is that important? Because the kingdom of God will not be contained anywhere. And it is not, listen to this, because we're going to come back to this point when we talk about how to receive strength from God. God has made it so that his kingdom is not centralized, it is not in a location any longer. It is all over the planet. Remember Jesus when he told the disciples in the first century, I want you to go and make disciples just here in Jerusalem, right? And let's let the world come to Jerusalem and let them come to to know Jesus in, in our culture. No! I want you to go everywhere on the populated planet to all people groups. I want you to go and make disciples. And when you're, as you're making disciples and you're going, a key word in the Great Commission, going, not staying, going, making disciples, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you because I'm with you always to the end of the age. He's with you today. He's living in your heart today. And he wants to use your life today like you cannot believe today. This is the God that we serve. And we're in this really innocent chapter in chapter 18 of the book of Acts. But it's off the, it comes off the page. Something's afoot here. Some uncontainable power and energy is on display against all odds. I'll have you. And so the words that the disciples needed to live by are found in here came in a dream to the apostle Paul recorded in Acts chapter 18 verse 9 Do you remember what it says these are, these are red letters if you have a red letter bible this would be one of those couple of places in the book of Acts where we have red letters And it says this this is what you need to hear Verse 9, do not be afraid. (laughs) Why would God Almighty have to tell these people, don't be afraid? (laughs) Because there was so much against them. It was ridiculous to think their status in that culture, in that century, in moving from city to city, they were foreigners everywhere they went. They weren't from these places. Yet God said, I want you to go. And I never want you to be afraid. Now, you're going to be tempted to be afraid is what the implication is in this text, right? You should be afraid if you do not have me. You are up against something that is bigger than you. You will always be up against something that you cannot manage. This is the way of Christianity, y'all. Now, we try to centralize Christianity, don't we? We try, to, we try to make sure that we're kind of contained. We get a fortress mentality against the movement of the Holy Spirit, though. He says, yeah, the only reason you gather is to strengthen one another so that you can scatter. This is why we get together. This is not the end game. You are not some consumer here today deciding whether you like the way that Daniel sang a song or you didn't like the way he sang a song. You're not a consumer if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're not, you're not here to say, I didn't really like how Joe handled Acts 18 today. You know what? I don't even care about Joe. I don't care about you. I'm interested in the Lord Jesus Christ being my judge. I want to be found faithful as a servant and as a steward of the mysteries of God. That's how I want to be known. I love you. I care about you. I'll listen to you. I'll validate you. I will affirm you. I will strengthen you. But I will always challenge you never to be a consumer as a follower of Jesus Christ. We have to decentralize this thing. It is not about us. And it's not about the fortress we can build to protect ourselves from these enemies outside of us. It's about us being vulnerable before the almighty God and before a culture that needs to see Jesus with skin on. And that's what's going on in Acts chapter 18. The words of disciples, the words that you and I need to live by are found in verse 9, Right? Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. I don't know if you've ever heard me do a funeral. I hope, I hope you have, because if you didn't hear me do a funeral and you were there, that's not good. <laughs> I think the most powerful word in all of human history is the word with. You see, when... Right when the angel told Mary, this is what you should name him. When when Isaiah prophesies there's gonna be a virgin who will give birth, and you are to give him the name Emmanuel God with you. That's his name. I wanna be with you. I am with you. You're gonna need me to be with you. Because I'm calling you to a powerful, very significant mission. With, I'm with you. To the end of the age, the end of the, 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 the last statement in the Great Commission. I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Oh my goodness, what could you tell me? Is there some principalities? Is there some rulers? Is there some angels? Is there some demon? Is there some location? Is there something that can separate you from my love? No, absolutely not. I love you and I'm with you and I'm strengthening you. Will you let me? Or are you just too busy wanting to build your own kingdom or hiding out in some other cluster someplace that isn't about the Great Commission? That's not what we are all about here at Pleasant Valley. We love you. We want to take good care of you. We want to equip you for ministry. We we want to give you guidance. and, and, And it's not just the staff that does that. We have so many people, some in this room right now, that are adequately equipped to equip you for every good work that God has assigned you for. But that's what we're about here. It's not about getting all dressed up and playing Sunday morning, it's about the real world that has great consequences if if the body of Christ does not stand up and be who Jesus wants us to be. I don't mind amens. I don't mind us getting excited about what excites Almighty God. In Christ, we have found the power to withstand whatever our flesh Satan in this world would throw against it, right? We have the power, all the power we need, all day long. What is this strategy? How has his church stood the test of time? To illustrate, we're going to travel back to 1519 for just a little while here. 1519, a man by Hernando Cortez came across from Spain into the Aztec colonies of what we would call now Mexico. And he went to, um, he was amazed when he came because he saw a road system that had already been established. He saw this name, uh, Mexico City used to be called in 1519, it was called Testinique. It was just this, it was just this huge city, the hub of the Aztec uh, population. And Cortez came in because he, he was after money. He was after power and money. That's all he wanted for Spain. He wanted to come and colonize all different places. So he figured out a way. What he would do is, uh, and he'd already conquered a lot of different smaller um, places, but now this was a big fish with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of gold, all kept in the mansion of Montesumy. It was so big uh, that the entire army that Cortez brought with him was housed there in his mansion. The very army that in 60 days would take over the entire city of over 5 million people. Because they left town and they cut off all of the routes into town, no water, no food, and so many people died. 86,000 people died in, um, in about two months. Because of starvation. And they were weakened. They just simply moved in and took it over. Then they turned north. Cortez turned north and started conquering city after city after city, region after region after region. Until he came to New Mexico and he ran into a group of people called the Apaches. Who were led by a man by the name of uh, Geronimo. And you found out that it was easy to, to, to really take out tribes because they had such a hub. All they had to do was take out the leader. They take out the leader, they had the entire tribe. But for 200 years, Cortez and those who came after him could never overtake the Apaches. You know why? Because they were decentralized. They had empowered one another to be their own chief. They had powered one another. You can do this. But you don't have to come to the hub to get your intel and your strength. You have it within you. And Cortez, to this day, uh, this was the group that stopped that movement. New Mexico still is not, it's still not part of the Spaniard movement. It's such a standing testimony in world history. So what is the strategy of of Jesus? What what does that story have to do with Jesus? From the get-go, Jesus says, I will have a decentralized power I am going to plant churches, and I'm going to raise up individuals through the indwelling power of my Holy Spirit to do things no one can do all by themselves. And it will be sustained, and it has been sustained. And I'm asking you this morning, will you stand back up? And will you say, I want to be part of that again? I, I've, I've become kind of lazy. I, I'm, not, I'm not being steadfast in it. I'm kind of letting... The rest of the believers and brothers and sisters do it. I'm calling on you this morning from Acts chapter 18. Because the Holy Spirit lives within you. You have everything that you need. And so here's what I want you to know, to believe, and do. I am so sorry. I I need to apologize publicly to Ken. Whoever's running the slides when I'm preaching, it's like, give me mercy, Jesus. So we're at the part that says, so what do I need to know, believe, and do, okay? You're welcome, Ken. First of all, what you need to know and what you need to believe. Christ has set me apart to succeed and bear much fruit. Christ has set you apart, me apart, to bear much fruit, that's John 15 language, isn't it? Apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> but if I abide in you and you abide in me, you will bear much fruit, verse 5. And this is, this is from Jesus not speaking in plural nouns or plural, what do you call those things? Oh, English people in this room. Uh, pronouns. He's he's speaking singularly to people. You come and abide in me, Jesus says. I'm gonna abide in you and you're gonna bear much fruit. That sounds like a nice slogan on the side of the wall, right? (laughs) If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is Jesus's promise and call in your life to abide in him, let him abide in you, and go and bear much fruit. Now, don't compare yourself to any other believer. Because it's, just, it's, you are distinct. That's like, some people say, that's a nice word for the th- person I'm thinking of right now, distinct. <laughs> you're unique. You have a niche in the kingdom. You have a niche in our culture. You have a niche in our community that no one else possesses. Will you go after that? Not from who somebody else thinks you should be or not through who you even think you should be but who Christ has made you. Will you blossom where you're planted? Will you be the man, the woman of God that the Holy Spirit has made you to be? And then will you take those, ver- those words from, from Acts 18, 9, seriously, don't fear. Don't be silent. Speak up. I'm with you. Listen, I got many people in this city. Don't worry about it. And Most of you won't be martyred. But we're like, once we're kind of in Christ, we're like, take me. I have nothing to lose. Jesus has paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin doesn't own me anymore. Satan doesn't own me anymore. My flesh doesn't own me anymore. This world doesn't own me anymore. Jesus owns me. And so you and I are going to have to be people that recognize, that know and believe that Christ has set you up to succeed and bear much fruit. Secondly, life in Christ means that you and I will have enemies and struggles. Okay, let's go home. Right? I mean, first of all, we know that's true, right? People that I dearly love and that dearly love me really disagree with me. In my own family. <laughs> we love one another, we respect one another, we're gentle with one another, like the Bible asks us to be. Well, we disagree. I believe that Jesus is the only way, truth, and life, that no one comes to the Father but through Jesus, and that's not popular. Um so, so what does Joe do? Do I cower? No, I keep on loving these people with the truth and praying for doors of opportunity. I keep praying, I keep praying. You see, because we fight this battle on our knees, don't we? This battle isn't ours. It's it's not against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities that we have no ability to have any victory over apart from the power of Christ. So I'm not worried about Joe's power. (laughs) I'm worried about Joe abiding in Jesus. You see, when Jesus teaches this parable in, in, in John 15, this analogy of the vine and the branch, the problem is the branch and its focus. When a branch begins focusing on its fruit, it loses its attachment to the branch My focus is on abiding in Jesus. Jesus is, it's Jesus' promise, problem if I don't bear fruit. It's not mine. I plant, I water, I abide in Jesus, but God causes the growth. First Corinthians, speaking of First Corinthians, which is where Paul's at when we're in 18. And we're going to spend some time in First Corinthians 1 here in just a minute. So, this is, a, this is a key thing for us to matter. We do have enemies. We do have powers up, up against us that we will not be able to handle. Third thing that you need to know and believe is Christ works through my life on the platform of my strengths and my abilities, right? <laughs> no, on my weaknesses. Yeah, but I don't like feeling weak. <laughs> I don't, like the, I don't like it when life gets unmanageable. I don't like it when, when I'm powerless. And that's the moment Jesus Christ is ready to move in and live on the platform of your weakness. It, you see, because when Jesus came, he turned the world and its ideals on its ear. It is not the man or the woman who has the charisma or the money or the position that matters to the kingdom of God. God will use anybody, whether they have a lot of money or no money, whether they have a job that everybody thinks they want or they don't have a job that everybody... It doesn't matter in God's economy. He wants you, your soul, your heart, given up to Him. You need to know that Christ walks... Uh, or works through your life on the platform of your weaknesses and humility. 1 Corinthians 1 says this, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. God's economy is completely different from any economy. God highly values your weakness. He affirms your weakness because it's the truth you, apart from God, your heart is desperately sick and beyond repair, right? That's Jeremiah 17. Good news, right? The good news is Jesus Christ has come. There's a new sheriff that wants to live in your heart. And this is, a, this is a, an authority that will come, overcome anything that's up against you in the name of Jesus Christ. And you need that. I need that. So we need to know that. We need to believe that. Second Corinthians 12, just on this topic of God uses a platform of, the, of our weakness. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take away this thorn from my flesh. Paul's words. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that, the power, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Do you delight in weaknesses yet? This would be a point of application for you. And it it goes on. Because it's in your weaknesses that God shows up the most. And we know this, right? Because all of of a sudden, when I'm weak on something, I am turning my attention to the vine. But when when I get comfortable, when I get satisfied, my tendency is to not look at the vine. I start looking at the fruit. Look what I've done. And then comes the fall, right? And then David needs to write Psalm 51 (laughs) that Daniel talked about. And you've had your own Psalm 51, so no one throw no eggs here this morning. Aren't you glad we have Psalm 51? So, so, so delight in weaknesses, but it doesn't stop there. In insults, in hardships, in, perse- Say what? in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. It doesn't make sense, but in God's strategy, he has chosen to use the weak things to confound those things that are strong. And, but, but most of the time we're like, yeah, I'm comparing myself to everybody else, and everybody else is so much more than I have. They get to do that, or they get to do this, or they look this way, right? We compare ourselves, and we just end up getting our wheels off the road, don't we, and go into some ditch of comparing and complaining and competing. God says, no, just come up and get off. I want all fours up here, all the weaknesses, all the stuff. I want it up here on the road. I want to use your life just as you are. For thing that you need to know and believe is you are never alone and you need others and others need you for every season and every battle. Hebrews 3 says this, see to it, see to it. That's what the scripture says. Brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firm to the very end. You need someone to come alongside you and strengthen you. And people around you need to be strengthened by you. What do we need to do? You will continue, you can constantly need to let God and others remind, reorient, restrengthen you to the above realities. A word study on that little phrase there in uh, Acts chapter 18 that says that Paul went uh, fr- back to those churches and strengthened all the disciples. That word strengthen means to resolutely reorient a, pe- a person. Have you ever needed to be reoriented in your life? Have you ever gone on, gone a little bit off course? Uh, Oftentimes the King James will use this word, and it's it's used 17 times in the scriptures, four times in in this this, uh, second missionary journey that Paul's on that that we're in the middle of studying right now. Four times used. It also means to, uh, King James says, establish them. I don't know why they don't have the E in front of that, but it says establish in the King James. That's how they spoke in 1611. Um, It means to be established. It means to get both feet underneath you. Have you ever not had both feet underneath you at some point in your life? You're like, you're just kind of, you're just like, I don't know who I am or what I'm about right now, man. I'm all messed up. Anybody ever been all messed up? Just look at your person around you that didn't say that they're messed up and say, hey, you've been messed up. Because then right after that, then you can get into some strengthening them, because that's the reality. Everybody's messed up, okay? Uh, it, it should be part of our membership class. You cannot become part of this member unless you understand how messed up you are. <laughs> Come and join, right? Yeah. So we constantly need um, others and God. Embrace hardship. This is another thing you need to do. Embrace hardship as God's pathway to producing more and more lasting fruit. Think pruning. Think patience. Think waiting on the Lord. Those things that we don't like, but are so necessary. So embrace hardship. Aim to be a person who can be trusted and who builds others up by strengthening and reorienting them to Jesus. That's what we do. This is this is why this is why it's so, the, the the kingdom has been so powerful over the last two thousand years. It's because God has given you and I the ability to actually strengthen one another through the ministry of the Holy Spirit to you, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit through you to me. We have this ability to give one another strength. If there's one thing that I, if I was to to kind of land on, okay, what is it? Joe that God has done in your life in the last 37 years of vocational ministry is say I think what he's done is he's helped me strengthen other people in Jesus Christ reorient them to Jesus Christ return them to the principles of who Jesus Christ are and who they are in Christ it's it's this idea of reorienting people because we we, aren't we prone to wander they should write a song about that (laughs) Lord I know it I think that would be another thing to say in that song right? We're prone to this wandering. Resolve to get up and never stay down. Will you do that today? Well, I want to get back up. I, I want you to fill me again with your Holy Spirit. Uh, one more time that this word um, strengthen is used, and I'm going to just choose this. There's so many, uh, but I'm, I know it's time to go. Uh, in First in Peter 5, be alert And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. That's, That's a comforting passage. It's a reality passage. But verse 10, the promise of God. And the God of all grace, who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself... Restore and make you strong. There is there is our word strengthen. God loves to reorient you, to reestablish you, to get your feet underneath you. This is what He does. And, and He doesn't deny that there's a battle. Look, you have an enemy and He's prowling about. He wants you. But I'm here too and I'm a greater power than His. Will you get your eyes on me and off of whatever He's doing? I'm going to make you strong, firm, and stead, steadfast. Living in our world is no longer complicated, is it? It's complex. We need a power higher than the world wide web. It's powerful in our day. We used to do battle on the battlefield in a very linear uh, battle strategy, like Cortez did in in, uh, Mexico City back in 15, it used to be real linear, just go in, do these things, these tactics. And in in, in the first Gulf War, General Schwarzkopf did a wonderful job using an age-old war uh, pattern of going in methodically, reducing um, all the resources until you can take them out. When we went in in the second Persian Gulf War after 9 after 11 in 2001 and tried to take out Al Qaeda, it was the war on terror, do you remember? We've never been able to win that war because Al Qaeda is decentralized. That's why it's so powerful. And this is a strategy that Jesus Christ has for his church. The reason why the church will never be defeated is because of the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in individual believers and in local churches that no one can come against. So so, our ba- so, so the, the world that you and I live in is no longer just complicated. <laughs> it is complicated. Complex. I could go on. Go on, go on. <laughs> that person's name is Audra if you want to talk to her. actually, Because <laughs> I know I'm going to, yeah. <sighs> um, I think you get the point. God's calling you back up and out. Back into that mission field, you have everything that you need for life and for godliness and for effective fruit-bearing ministry that lasts. You have all you need to come come over anything, to, to overcome anything that's become un, unmanageable in, in your life. Anything that you don't have power over, God has given you the strength to do that. Now you're going to need one another. Go back through that list of things. It's in the message notes on things that you need to uh, to know and believe in things that you need to do that hopefully will help you kind of um, maybe return to some things that will help strengthen you father thank you so much for uh, one another uh, thank you that you have um, given us your word uh, thank you father that it, it always always cleanses me uh, strengthens me and powers me um, it always um, thrills me gets me reignited um, uh, on this thing that you started in my life on February 3rd of 1976, Lord. And it's never left me. There's been a lot of other things, that relationships that have come and gone, a lot of other experiences that have come and gone, but Jesus, um, you're still in me. And I've experienced you, Lord. And you're working my own life and I've experienced you using me to strengthen other people, God. And I pray that that would become the norm in our fellowship here at Pleasant Valley, that we would lean in uh, to learning how to be strengthened by other people, but also how to strengthen one another. So have your way. In the name of Jesus, amen.